It's a destination. We are finally here. Let's go. What is good, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Destination Dynasty. I am your gracious host, Scott Connor, at Charles Chill on Twitter, or X, or whatever you're calling it these days. Tonight's episode is going to jump right into continuation of last week, talking about the future of the Dynasty game, the average Dynasty player, how they're getting better, how they're evolving, and maybe how they're not. I will say that my guest has a little bit of a different take on things than I do. Uh, Some of the conversations we've had in the past have really challenged me. And when it comes to this topic of the future of the Dynasty game, I think this interview offers a lot of insight and, quite frankly, had me taking away something a little bit different from the show that I did last week uh, and made me a little more confident in the fact that ultimately people are going to end up doing what they want to do. Even if you give them the roadmap or you solve for everything that they're asking for, individuals still have to make the decision. So hopefully everybody enjoys this interview. Before we get into that, Destination Chill. Hopefully everybody's enjoying Destination Chill. We are three episodes in. Uh, Ray and I are starting to find our groove as a tandem. Uh, It is going to continue on Sunday nights until the beginning of the regular season. So you will have two more episodes that will be on August the 27th and then September the 3rd. We will then take a break for a week and resume on Wednesday, September 13th and go on Wednesdays throughout the regular season. So if you like Destination Chill, we appreciate everybody that's tuned in. We hope the audience continues to grow, but feasibly Wednesday nights during the NFL season are going to be much better for putting out a live YouTube show, just given what's going on on Sundays, Sunday night football, just doesn't make sense to do any sort of live streaming at that time and literally competing with the football game that everybody's going to be watching. So that'll move to Wednesday night starting on September 13th. As always, you can find everything on Destination Devi at patreon.com slash allgas. Join the Heisman tier. You'll be able to talk to me pretty much all the time. Uh, whenever there's something going on, everyone jumps into the voice chat and have a lot of good conversations in there. Uh, myself, I do extra content at Dynasty and Chill, which is patreon.com slash Dynasty and Chill. You get some bonus pods from me every month, along with a Zoom chat, which we usually go for four, five, six hours on a Friday night once a month. So enjoy that if you would like. And then finally, Dynasty Trades in 5. We live stream on Dynasty Trades in 5 every Tuesday night, 830 only on YouTube. So if you want strategy or trade questions answered, tune into that as well. And tonight's guest, Analytics at Dynasty. You may know him from the new show, The Dynasty Think Tank. Check out his work over there, analyticsofdynasty.com. It is Jordan McNamara at McNamara Dynasty. We talked about the future of the Dynasty game. So enjoy the interview with Jordan, and we'll get to it right after the ad from Underdog. Destination Dynasty is now sponsored by Underdog Fantasy. I'm gearing up for Underdog's Fantasy season-long best ball contest. It's a great way to put your best ball skills to the test against me and everyone else at the Destination Debbie team. The best part? If you use promo code CHILL when you sign up, you'll get a 100% deposit match up to $100. And if you deposit $10, you'll get access to strategize with us in the Destination Debbie Discord, where you can get additional stats, tips, and much, much more to dominate your drafts. 
What are you waiting for? Head over to underdogfantasy.com, sign up. Again, use promo code CHILL to get a 100% deposit match up to $100 and deposit your $10 to get access to the Destination Devi Discord. Back to the show. We are going to jump right into the conversation stemming from last week's Destination Dynasty where I talked about the future of the game, the future of the Dynasty Gamer. And I had a lot of thoughts. I've got a lot of feedback over the last couple of days. People messaging me on Twitter, messaging me on Discord, just saying, hey, good pod, but here's something that I thought of that I wanted to run by you. So I've got a lot of those messages, and that's exactly what I asked for. You know, there's many things I didn't think of that I think other people might see out there, and they're like, yeah, this is what's going to happen going forward. So I said, you know what? And I kind of teased it that I was going to have a guest on. But to be honest, I didn't tell the guest exactly what the questions were going to be. Uh, but I knew I wanted to have Jordan McNamara on at McNamara Dynasty. I'll let him share all the stuff that he's doing. Uh, but I thought he would be a great person to bring on to talk about the future of the space. Somebody that has done a lot of stuff on his own and collaborated with others and has been in the game for a while. Jordan, first time on DD. Mm-hmm. But we've done a lot of stuff yeah. together in the past. We've agreed on a lot. We've disagreed on a lot. But I'm really curious to hear your thoughts on this. So welcome back to a show with me. But first time to this show. How are you, man? Dude, it's great to be here. Uh, you know, you and I always have good conversations. So I'm excited for this. This will be good. And it's a good topic, too. Like, this is a good off-season topic, right? It's good to kind of be thinking differently and on a different track. And, yeah, this is very uh, on-brand for you know, the off season and trying to think outside of just picking players. So uh, I, I like to stop a lot. Yeah. It's one of those where it came up kind of following the fantasy football expo. It really like hit me hard and I'm like, I need to talk about it now because you don't realize how fast the season gets here. And then once it's here, it's just a rat race of stuff that you're trying to do every week and you're mm-hmm. caught up in really trying to manage your teams to win. That's like crunch time during the season. And then in the off season, there's a little bit of a lull, but then there's a lot of stuff leading up to the off season where you kind of want to dive into the past season's data, see what's changed, see what's the same. So it does feel like this is the period where you do need to talk about this stuff uh, because by time we said, we're going to do it January or February, things might be totally different because of what just happened in this season. So Let's just get right into it. I talked last week about what I think kind of the future of the dynasty space is going to be, both from a growth perspective, but also the barrier to entry is very easy now with sites like Sleeper and other places where dynasty managers are just like, yeah, I'll try dynasty. And the access to get into it is pretty simple. There's a ton of content out there. So I generally think the average dynasty player that's entering the space is a little bit smarter than they would have been 10 years ago, even five, three years ago. Uh, I started playing 10 years ago, and I was clueless when I started. No Mm -hmm. process. There was hardly any content out there. So it wasn't like I had 50 people I was following and pulling the best of what I thought from all of them. It was literally, I'm just kind of teaching myself. Uh, And there was a couple people that I might have gravitated to, but there wasn't nearly what the space was right now. So I just want to ask you, like, how has the average dynasty manager in the space that you run into I mean, how have you seen the evolution since you started playing the last couple of years? What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, the access to information's a lot easier, right? I think that's that's true. Um, I started playing, this would be my 11th. Um, I started playing in 2012, I think. 
Um, still in the that first dynasty league. I've been playing since you know 97, 96, something like that. Um, just playing actual fantasy football. And you just like look at the evolution of that. I mean, I can tell you, like I could say detailed college statistics uh, in 45 seconds. If you asked me to, it used to take two hours to run the scores for all your teams. Like when I started playing fantasy football. So just that, that amount of information and the, the access to it. um, I think that the people there's really smart people doing it too. I mean, way smarter than me in terms of, you know, actual math and, you know, like just, just, you know, rocket science level people in terms of mathematicians doing work on this stuff. So you, you just, the, the data out there is, I think democratized in a, in a really good way. All right. So I think that's really helpful. Um, I don't know if people use it would be sort of the, the thing I would kind of question, right? Like there's all this data. Um, I think George Pickens is a fascinating case for this. Um, since like January, I've been sort of on this, this, it didn't even turn into, it, it didn't start as like, um, uh, as like a crusade, but it became a crusade just because I liked the reaction that Houston or that, uh, that Pittsburgh uh, fans were giving me. Uh, and so it just, I learned more and more and more. Uh, I ended up finding like really predictive metrics, right. To sort of fuel my arguments. Like it, it went down this deep rabbit hole of research and, uh, and I don't think it was just me, but the market dropped like 10 spots, right. He was like wide receiver 20, 19, right around like, like playoffs, right. Uh, NFL playoffs sort of mid January. Uh, and right before training camp, he got to wide receiver 30. Right. So that's a pretty big fall. And, and there's some people that kind of fell in front of him too, you know, that, that, um, there more people kind of climbed him as well. So, um, so I thought like, all right, that's good. Well, now the market is sort of bouncing back because of what he's doing in, in, uh, in a preseason game, you know, some clips on, on, on Twitter. Uh, and it's all stuff that like, A, we already knew B like all of that stuff is nice, but doesn't score you points. And it's all that, all that sort of work and all that data that suggests that all this stuff doesn't matter. Right? All the sort of preseason, all of the, the training camp videos, all of that stuff, right? people have just gone exactly back, right? And he's back up to wide receiver. I checked today. He's at wide receiver 24 and keep trade cut. Right? So all of that move, <laughs> all that data uh, has basically almost been washed away uh, by like two or three weeks of, of reaction. Now, you know, I don't know what that says about the dynasty marketplace in general, but I still think if you believe in like there's data edges and I think that, um, you know, I think George Pickens is a really good example of this because like he makes you feel a certain way and that, that feeling that you get or that people get from watching him play and him making great plays almost overwhelms reason uh, and, and overwhelms sort of, uh, factual data about scoring fantasy football points. That uh, is a really interesting phenomenon. And I don't think that's going to go away. The same concerns and questions that I have Justin Fields, like they're very correlated in the questions that I have about him. Um, it's the same phenomenon. So, um, yeah, I think the average dynasty GM is getting smarter. Um, I still think there's huge edges out there. Um, and I think that there's like, um, you know, if you just sort of, I think if you spent, less time uh, watching football and reading the news, you'd almost be better off a lot of times, which is an odd thing to say from someone that correlate that, you know, that, that intakes a ton of data. 
I love the last sentence you just said because I've gotten in so many battles with people that will say something to me on Twitter or in a chat and it'll be something about you clearly don't watch the game or you clearly have never watched this player. And the reality is, of course, I've watched every player. I've watched every relevant player on TV while I'm watching Red Zone or while I'm flipping around watching whatever game is on. Or, of course, we all see highlights. That's probably where we consume most of our football, to be honest. Which is other really dangerous, by the way, which is incredibly dangerous. It is. But when people say, oh, you've clearly never watched this player. Yeah, I probably haven't. Because <laughs> when you start to realize very quickly that, and you know what? The reason why I don't is, A, I would have no interest in sitting down and watching the condensed every single game. I think Chad watches every single game, doesn't he? He, does, he tries he does. to. He does. Yeah, Every game, every nope. week. No, I tried it one time. I mean, God bless him because I couldn't, I couldn't make it a week of it, especially with how game pass has gotten worse. Like it has gotten substantially worse since he started doing that. Um, God bless him. Cause I can't do it. I listen to his show. I listen to that show every week um, because it's great. And I'll listen to it as I'm sort of doing data work, but God bless him because I couldn't do that. That is the perfect summary of kind of the point that we are talking about though, is yeah. that, I don't have to. And that's because there's people that are experts. And now part of this is, and I think one thing that I I didn't put on the show sheet or I didn't send you in advance is I do think there's been an explosion of you being able to create your own brand. If you have something unique that you have a niche on Mm -hmm. and you can put it out there, people will pay for it. People will patronize Mm -hmm. you for it and you can make a side hustle out of fantasy football if you have that niche. And it's for, I think, this exact reason is I can't do what Chad does or what Jordan does or what many of the other people out there, the specialties that they are willing to dedicate a damn near full-time job worth of weekly hours to do. I can buy it for 20 bucks a month. I can buy it for a subscription to a Patreon. I can buy it for X, Y, or Z. And they're able to essentially sell that service on a large scale because there's a lot of people that go, you know what? I want these four or five pieces to my puzzle Mm -hmm. and there's no way I can do it all myself, but I'm willing to spend. And I'm curious and you don't have to share if you don't want, but I'm just curious how much you invest in other resources, data packages. Cause I added it up one time and it's a decent amount to the point where, okay, am I better off playing in a couple extra leagues instead of this or is this actually better in terms of I have just enough data coming into me and most of it is work that other people have already summarized and put to a place where, okay, now I can take three or four big picture items that I didn't have to put in the hours over an entire summer or spring Mm -hmm. to come up with. I can essentially just steal it and use it. And of course I'm going to give people props and I'm going to pay them for it, but it it's a shortcut. So now I can go, come up with a lot of macro ideas which i think is what largely i'm known for and a lot of it's just from other people that have done the work whether it's chad watching all the games or Mm -hmm. it's jordan putting together this model or whatever it is it's credit to everybody else and i think that's how the community has grown and you've seen a lot of niches to where nobody has everything if you try to say i can do everything then you are i guarantee you are wasting a bunch of time somewhere because someone out there is only doing one of those things they're doing it better they're doing it more efficiently Uh, 
And quite frankly, you could just take it from them and just exchange for whatever subribtion fee or whatnot. Mm-hmm. So that's definitely inefficient if you're trying to do everything yourself. But and what you do you think about I mean, that? there's so much like to that point, like, I mean, you know, I spend, I don't even count how many hours a week I spend. Right. But it's, it's north of a full-time job. And again, more than my real, more than my real job. Yeah. Oh yeah. And I mean, I have a part-time job, which I dwarf in terms of like, you know, what my daughter calls my fake job, right. Which I actually have to wear a suit to, but I, my daughter calls it my fake job. Right. I spend more time doing this than that. Um, and so like, you know, but I, I do like, I can't, like I couldn't do it all. Right. Like, and, and I actually, I think that that's a really good, um, there's so much we don't know. Right. And I think that that's actually a very powerful thing. Right. And so when people say you don't watch games, well, like, okay, maybe you do. Right. And, and, you know, I'm not picking on Pittsburgh, but if someone was the people that tell me this are either Justin Fields fans or they're George Pickens fans, right. By and large. And yeah, you do watch those games, but know what you don't do? Watch all the other games with that same detail. And as a result, you lack the context of it, right? So watching, you know, drilling down on sort of one or six players or, you know, you get you get so sort of, uh, you know, singularly focused on one group of players that you lose context of like, okay, well, Oh, he looked awesome. Yeah. But in, in the grand scheme of like the, the league, how awesome is that? You know what I mean? Um, so that's, that'd be kind of the thing that I would say, um, you know, and then, uh, so I think like, that's how data can really kind of help you. It can av- make you avoid doing those things. And, and you know, I just, I, you know, I, I think that there's an edge to data that you know, there's always going to be a subset of the population that's going to snicker at analytics. There always will be. Right. And so um, I, like, those are the people's money I like to take. You know what I mean? I mean, if we're just being honest, like those are the people that I like to beat because, you know, I, we're going to run up a score on them by and large, right? Because, you know, we're, we're employing data and we're employing other pieces of information uh, that I think are, are more valuable uh, than, than some dynasty GMs are doing. But, you know, so I do think it's interesting and, you know, there's like, I think there's people getting sp- real specialized on things. Right. I think, you know, there, there's so much to the game, right. There's so much you can study, right. There's in terms of quarterback play and, you know, and expected points. And, you know, you could just go down all the, you know, I cover what, I think I have about three, maybe four hours, probably between three and a half and four hours of podcasts a week. might even be more than that uh, during the season that I record and all the research that goes into that. Like, I still feel like I don't know enough. Like it's like, I constantly feel like, you know, uh, not, not an imposter syndrome, but like, you know, I just wish I could spend this much more time learning this. You know what I mean? Like there's just so much to it that, um, you know, you know, I jokingly call my subscribers degenerates in a loving fashion, but like, that's who we cater to. Right. And so that's the interesting thing, uh, that, that I kind of see about it. So I want to ask you about the, I guess you would call it the newer, but let's just call it the average dynasty player. So a couple questions about him. Cause I, it's funny cause you'll go and I've learned to back this off a lot just because it's not really a healthy, productive use of my time, but <laughs> sometimes you'll get back, back and forth on somebody on Twitter in a thread and you may disagree, but then you quickly realize, and you, you learn to spot this as you start to see who you're following and you know, who, whose content you see and whatnot. But there have been many times where I'll be going back and forth with somebody 
And then I'll kind of realize that I, I thought they were a dynasty guy or a draft guy or someone like that. But then I'll realize, you know what? They're probably not exactly that. And neither am I. So mm-hmm. we're arguing over something that we're arguing on different planes. You know, we our objective of why we're even here isn't even close to being the same. So I almost wonder, is that even worth the space to debate back and forth? Because what we're trying to solve really isn't even the same exact thing. And the reason I bring that up is because I do think that at, I think at the content creation level and then the portfolio dynasty player level, the people that are at the very top of that, and I'm not necessarily tooting my own horn, but I tend to think actually that this subset is probably the most well-rounded in terms of from like the football perspective, because for me, a lot of the content I consume, I consume some dynasty content, but I'd be honest to say a lot of that is just to kind of feel what other content creators are saying and kind of where the space is as a whole. I use that as my pulse of what is the dynasty market? It's Twitter. It's the content space. It's other places where you can see it, but that's more from like a zoomed out view. You know, I'm not going to every dynasty content creator and listening to every one of their shows to know who they're trading for, who they're buying, who they're selling. I don't care about any of that. Mm -hmm. I have enough sample size amongst my leagues in Mm -hmm. all of my groups to say, all right, they're doing that work for me already because they're probably listening to a lot of those people and they're bringing it back to the experience that I'm having with them. At the same time, I think a lot of people in dynasty are pretty educated now on the way contracts work, the way teams are built versus you go the other way around. You go to a draft person or you go to a NFL cap person or someone like that. You put them in a dynasty league. Dude, they have no chance, zero chance, right? Because the only thing they have to go on is whatever their baseline is to evaluate players, watch their film, watch their tape. You know, that's it. They have nothing else to go on. Whereas I think we have to tap in, to a lot of those other things that that might be their specialty. But I bet you, I know more about that than they do how to roster construct a dynasty team. So I think there's some crossover, but I I wanted to ask you just thoughts on that. And then also because there's so much content, do you think that it is becoming easier to be well-rounded like that? Do you think it's becoming easier to absorb all the content out there and work a dynasty league from 50 different angles or do you think it's just all over the place and it's just too saturated? So two questions in one. Um, I don't. So when I was when I was um, I tell the story frequently uh, when I before I started writing and before I started recording podcasts, um, it, w- it must have been the 2015 draft. And there was uh Kiaris Garrett. I don't know if you remember him, but he was out of Tulsa. Yep. Uh, and uh, there was a site that I subscribed to. Uh, that was really big on him. Uh, and I listened to everything. I, I read every article. I listened to everything. Uh, and I got so jacked in my brain about the draft and all the information that I took in that I literally drafted Kiara Garrett at 207 in a rookie draft. He went undrafted and has never recorded an NFL statistic. Okay. That's what over consumption of data looks like to me. Um, and so I have learned to sort of under consume. I don't really listen to other podcasts. 
Um, I don't, um, I listen to a ton of NFL stuff. I listen to a lot of basketball stuff, which actually influences a lot of my strategy. Um, and you know, those are the kind of the things that I, that I like to do in terms of like, in terms of listening to stuff and getting information. Uh, and I actually, I think, you know, you mentioned something before I kind of didn't fully answer it. Um, the content that I really consume tends to be the data. You know, I'm a subscriber and I use PFF's data. Um, I have a media agreement with them to use their data, uh, which is super valuable. You get a lot of different stuff out of it. Um, but I tend to look at like raw data, kind of digest it and then have, a lot of the NFL sort of content sort of flesh it out for me. Um, one other thing that I think people overdo is lineup decisions, right? Um, uh, people spend way too much time setting their lineup, right? Because there's so much variance involved. And if you just look at start rate, it's good enough for the ranking, right? Because it's baking in all the stuff that you said. Everyone else has done that work for you, right? Everyone else has listened to the podcast. Everyone else has looked at all the other information, right? By and large, you're not going to beat a pretty efficient market. And that's a place where there's a ton of information and a ton of people, right? It's, it's not a, it's a, it's a pretty liquid market in that form, right? Just use the data, right? And so, you know, by and large, I, I set my lineup by just looking at, you know, I kind of know, right? Home starting running back, right? You, you feel better about that if they're a favorite than, you know, road, you know, there's certain rules and stuff that I'll, that I'll apply and certain flex decisions. It's tough because you're, you're, you're going across positions and stuff like that. But by and large, if you look at the start rate, that's a really good indication of, of what sort of the, I don't know, the, the composite ranking, right. The consensus ranking, right. That what the market would say, just follow that. Because I, I think by and large, like that's, I think that's, that's a place where you can save a lot of time and thinking about your strategy and your, your team builds and stuff like that. So those are just a couple of things that I kind of employ is, is um, you know, almost how you talked about like uh, you know, it's a bit of like aggregation of ideas. Like that's just kind of how I use it to sort of streamline my process. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting concept that you mentioned. You mentioned it from a sit-start perspective, but if you just take a lot of other things too that we're constantly trying to figure out, okay, how about season-long projections? A ton of people do it. A ton of people put in a ton of time. And if you look at three different projections, there's going to be places where their process was a little different. Uh, One of the things I've noticed with projections is a lot of times – people are way different when it comes to like the bottom 20% of the projections, because either a, they don't project the amount of like flair in statistics. Like they don't have enough relevant running backs or receivers or quarterbacks on projections yet. You can look at historical data and you say, yeah, 60 QBs are going to start a game. You're going to have 150 receivers that end up with a top 50 week but the projections won't necessarily reflect that just because it's a lot of it is literally based on injuries, based on timing. But then you'll see some people that really project it out like to exactly what a season could look like. So there's a little variance there, but if you just said, okay, Jordan, get me the 12 best people projecting stats for the year. I bet you I could take those 12 line them up and aggregate it and go, I am pretty damn near the best set of projections I can find. If I know all 12 of those people put in the work and they had a process, even if it was a little different, I'd feel very comfortable stealing that, plugging it in whatever model I have, like a, an A-warp model, which mm-hmm. knock on wood, something that's coming very soon. But if you could plug that into like an A-warp model and make it like week to week, 
I'd feel pretty confident with what that's telling me. And that's just based on the 12 people that I trusted that did the work. I'm literally just aggregating their data. Same with mock draft. That's why I like mock draft database and grinding the mocks are good because literally they're just taking other people's data and giving it to you. Right. Might be wrong, but at least you can say, hey, this is better than just Jordan trying to do it or Scott trying to do it because we're, we're using the power of a huge sample size to steal it. And as the content becomes more saturated, I think that's where the advantage is. If you know how to find good data, there's just so much of it that there's a lot of shortcuts that I think you can take. And that was going to be my question. Do you see more and more people doing that? You said it at the very beginning of the show. A lot of people aren't using it. It's there, but they're not thinking of this kind of thing. Do you think that changes? Like, Do you think the average person is picking up on this of being able to aggregate stuff that's already being done uh, and using it in in their process? You know, Blair Andrews at Rotoviz did a really interesting study and he took the, uh, I believe the metric that he used was the fantasy pros um, expert draft ranking or whatever. I think that's the, I think that's the, I hope I got it right. Um, But basically the expert consensus and he compared that to what just ADP was and the expert draft consensus performed worse than just ADP, which is horrifying. Right. If you're spending a ton of time uh, listening to data, if you're spending a ton of time listening to experts and they're underperforming what the general marketplace is doing, that's a concern. Uh, I, I do think you get people as something I always got to be careful on. You know, I do a ton of base rates, you know, and I always come back to like, you know, a couple of my favorite sort of things are, you know, Dwight Schrute has a line in the office that says, you know, you know, what's the best advice you ever gave me? And he says, you know, don't be an idiot. And he goes, you know, if I'm, if, uh, if, if I'm thinking about doing something, I think to myself, would an idiot do that? And if they would, I will, I don't do that. Right. And then don't do stupid shit. Right. Do those couple of things are always in the back of my mind. And so whenever I'm sort of thinking about something, right. I, I love to like look at base rates and look at uh, you know density rates and, and sort of get a get a good idea of like what prior situations you know similarly situated prior situations um, you know tell us about this and so if I'm way off based on that right that's always the you know would an idiot do this sound going off in the back of my head where I got to be careful right you know you ask kind of how the markets change too like you know the quarterback market's pretty crazy. Um, you know, last year, like I looked at last year's data and I think I maybe had yeah, a handful of drafts or whatever. Uh, I was about 25, maybe 26% was like the max you would see a quarterback go. I mean, Chad and I, I think spent 34% on Mahomes last week and 30% on Allen. Right. So that has exploded in terms of that, which I could argue it's still underpriced, right? But, but I think it's moving in the right direction. So that's like a place where it's moved, um, you know. But you still see some of the ordering things where people make mistakes, right? You know, and that's 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 interesting to me about you know about how kind of we process all this information. Yeah, that is a good point with the quarterbacks. That's one of those examples where, you know, I've found myself actually pivoting, not necessarily pivoting off of quarterbacks, but if I'm starting fresh and I already don't have them. Uh, looking for ways where I can make, I think, sharper bets instead of just going to the very, very top. And a lot of that has to do with me having tons and tons of different teams so I can kind of experiment with different builds. But back to knowing your room and you know who you're playing against and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But um, the future, though, is what I wanted to get into next. With tools, with AI, 
I heard somebody, I won't say who it was, but it's like a month ago. And uh, I'll paraphrase the quote, but it just talked about how Dynasty was becoming a solved game. Fantasy football is becoming a solved game. Like redraft, just like, you know, sit, sit start season long was becoming a, a solved game. So we've already seen, largely that's become like DFS. If you listen to DFS content, that's one thing that they've struggled with. Not that it's still not fun, but there's a lot of the edge that existed in the prime of DFS is gone because you're up playing against a lot of people. I mean, it's survival of the fittest, right? A lot of the people that put a lot of money into DFS and didn't have a process got beat by the people that are currently going, okay, where are all the fish? As it becomes more efficient, there's less and less people without a process more and more people that are using the same tools to where it's the old saying, Jordan jumps in a league. If he has 11 other Jordans, you really just throw out everything you know Mm -hmm. because you don't have an edge. So now you look at, all right, I need to probably make really strong bets in the spots where I know other people are going to be maybe making different bets. That's the only place I can differentiate myself. So with that, with the future of using AI, using tools to the point where I said this on last week's show, I think in a couple years might even be as soon as next year, we're going to start seeing the development of tools that essentially I can input all of the variables of my dynasty league to the point of not just scoring settings, roster size, starting lineup, but waiver rules, fab dollars, all those kind of things. Anything you can think of that you could put a, parameter on that you could almost run a sim with to the point where the, we're going to get to a point where there's almost a roadmap of how to play this league. Now, obviously you can't solve for future value. You can't solve for impacts on a really bad injury and you're dealing with future currency in the form of draft picks a couple years out. So that's always going to be the future. That's going to be really hard to solve for, but everything else that I think you and I focus on a lot of the decisions based on data, the roster construction, that kind of stuff, I think that edge falls off the wayside here as long as people are following it. You know, the, yeah, the leagues the, with Scott and Jordans. Yes. Right, that's the key. People aren't going to do that. Right? Like, like you and I can sit here and tell people until eternity, right? That that in in two PPR for tight ends, that you should be starting two plus tight ends a week, right? We should, we can preach to eternity that uh, running backs over wide receivers in the flex, because the value of running backs on, 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 um, uh, you know, on, on spot starts is way better than, than wide receivers, right? Um, that, you know, running backs over wide receivers, you know, a two to one margin is a huge advantage, right? You're going to probably win a half game, if not a, a, a game more than the average opponent when you do that, right? And you look and, and the data backs that up, right? The ROI backs that up, right? You have subscribers out there. You know, I had subscribers this year right about it in AOD. They back it up. Right? I hear what their ROIs are. That backs it up. You just see it over and over and over and over again, right? Every, every piece of data that you see comes back to, that's the right strategy in terms of running backs versus wide receivers. And you know how many people are doing it in a league? One, maybe two, maybe three. It's never a majority uh, and it never will be, right? Because a lot of the things that we talked about, right, people think still, and, and we can scream it, that wide receivers retain better value over the long term, you know, later on down the roster. And you see people rostering, you know, all sorts of people. 
right? I mean, you know, the Khalil Shakirs of the world, right? That everyone that's like way down the, the, the dial. And you talk about every running back on a 53 man roster. You know how many people in, in a league are actually employing that? Not many. Right. You know how many people are employing, hey, I need to, you know, oh, oh, you know, Andre Yacivas, like, it might be a huge, you know, four years from now, he could be a real a key guy for me. I need to roster him right now. And just, just, just absolutely dousing that roster spot on fire for 16, 17 weeks, like 14 weeks, maybe they don't even make the playoffs, right? Like, I don't think I could scream that, like, in naked in Times Square, and I still don't think people would listen to me. Um, in terms of like moving the actual market, there's people that listen to me. I don't think it would move the market. So that way more than half of people would listen to me. And I still think that's a huge edge, right? And, and it's still cheap. And, you know, and people say, oh, you're just spamming the running back position. You're damn right. I'm spamming the running back position. <laughs> it's a huge advantage, right? Of course I'm doing that. Right? I know it's a huge advantage. It's a, it's a tremendous advantage in the flex and, and, you know, people like to mock it, which then I just take their money. Right. You know I mean? It's, it's fine, but um, you know, that's something I don't think that'll ever go away. I don't think it'll ever go away because of how wide receivers make people feel. Yeah, those are the same teams that you see. Uh, they just dropped T.Y. Hilton, and they still have Jalen Rager and LaVisca Chenault sitting back there just waiting, just waiting, waiting for the inevitable time where they're going to drop them in two years because right now isn't quick enough. So my only pushback, and I don't disagree with you, and I think that's where you can maintain an edge, especially if you are active in the community and you can constantly be fine. I hate to call them fish, but that's what we call them in Dynasty and Chill. It's, it's just trying to find places where you can get into leagues that are fairly run. There's good stakes that are worth your time, but you also know you're not entering with 11 other AODers or destination Debbie Heisman members to where, listen, nine of them are literally doing whatever I'm saying to do. Mm-hmm. Now, a couple of them may go I don't rogue play against some... my people, right? Like, I don't, I, like, I don't, I like we, you know, if you put us in a, in a, in a universe where right I, I like to play in the universe not my own universe you know not my own solar system and correct you know you, if you're playing the universe right i don't think it's ever going to change right like they're like hey let's do a the aod league i was like i want no part of that right? like, i don't want to play you guys i don't want to play you guys in a safe leagues i don't want to see you guys in a in a startup draft that i'm in because i know what the like all of a sudden my edge of being like okay i'm the one team that's different now all of a sudden i'm not and and what happens is my team gets a lot more expensive right because instead of waiting until round 20 last year to take Samaj P. Ryan, he's going in round 19, right? Like, you know, that was an auto pick, right? It still is probably a good pick, but right, it's a lot more expensive. It gets a lot more pricey. And so I don't want to play, you know, but I think in the general, like if you just ran, you know, what if there was like a general populace of people and you just got sort of randomly put together, I don't think you're like... I don't think it's any more than like three or four maybe are employing that strategy. Like, I mean, that would be some real shitty luck on my end if if that's how many people did it in my league, right? In a normal league where where no one sort of knows who I am, uh, it would be uncommon for that to happen. It's funny because last year I dove into the uh, the sleeper realm, right? like seriously, because before I had a couple leagues that had migrated to sleeper, but last year, I'm like, you know what? I spent a couple months during the summer going, I'm just going to either create or get others to create sleeper leagues. And I play under Dynasty and Chill or Charles Chill FFB. It's within two minutes you can figure out who I am, where I do work, where I make content. Yet you can tell a couple of those leagues, I eight people have no clue who I am. 
don't know that I make content, nothing. They don't even follow me on Twitter if they have a Twitter. Maybe one or two know, but they still, I can tell by their roster, they're not actually trying to compete the same way that I am. So I can look at their team, even if they say, hey, I'm a fan of your show, good good stream the other night. Then I look at their roster, and you know, they have 18 receivers and too many tight ends. Their quarterbacks are shitty. They traded away all their future picks. I'm like, all right, thanks for being a fan, but you're not really a threat to what I'm trying to do. You can spot right. that very quickly. I guess my only pushback as a content creator, do you see a point in the future might not be me or you, probably not going to be me or you because it's probably going to take somebody that has a huge budget behind it. But do you see somebody creating some sort of tool where it's it's dummy proof, Jordan? Like all you do is plug in your ID for your sleeper league and it'll literally give you a roadmap. Or is Dynasty too complex for a roadmap that really would be followed without the person understanding the process to begin with? Does that make sense? Like, I sure, do. you could say what to do, but there's a lot of decisions over numerous years that they'd have to follow with some sort of process. And the, I'm not sure a tool could be built to make all of those. So um, it's interesting because I did that in baseball. All right, so 15, God, I'm aging myself 20 years ago, 15 years ago, I guess I was super into fantasy baseball uh, and spent way too many nights in my dorm room, not having friends you know, running algorithms on fantasy baseball. And I could tell you basically, cause that, that was much more of a system where you could do that, right. Where you could say like, all right, I know that, you know, three, you know, or the difference between 30 RBIs equals actually, you know, you know, th this amount of roto points, you know what I mean? Like you could do, you could sort of solve for that uh, dynasty, I think is different to the extent that it's not exactly, you can't sort of solve it in the same way. Um, and I think that there's different sort of motives, right? Like, I don't know. I always go back to someone posted a poll and it was like, you know, what's your favorite part about dynasty? And, you know, like it was like 38% of people answered win the league. Right. And there was like 62% of people that answered trading or evaluating rookies or building a long-term team. And you're like, and you, put that in your brain and then you go into your leagues and you say, okay, so basically we'll say 40% of these people are, are competing, right? So maybe there's, maybe there's, you know, four or five that are thinking like, okay, my ultimate goal in this is to win a league. Right? And you, then you look at the teams and, and their decisions and their builds are consistent with that. So I think in that universe, like, could someone build the ultimate system? Yes. Is it going to basically take over this no i don't think so and like basketball is a good example of this like the nba like it's a solved system by and large like shoot a ton of threes draw a lot of fouls don't give up a ton of corner threes and don't create a lot of fouls and be able to basically finish at the rim right don't take mid-range jump shots and there's still a ton of different styles and there's still right they start to look more and more alike but there's still a lot of different ways to go about it in terms of in terms of evaluation all of that stuff right so i do think like even where it is sort of a solve game and everyone knows the most efficient way to play, you get to a lot of different builds in terms of how to get to that. So I don't, I don't think it's going to be a game that that AI basically does away with as much as trade calculators have tried to do that. Yeah. It's, it's an interesting thing to think about because now that I just was sitting there listening to you say that it sounds great in theory, like when I run it through my brain, but, I'm not sure how it actually looks. So I'm curious how that goes in the future, if that is something that people try to do. Uh, but I do think that the compliance part 
is a huge thing. And especially if what you were saying about the poll, even if it's 50, 50 right there, it tells you that, okay, does the person that says their favorite part about dynasty is trading? That doesn't mean that they're not trying to win or that they're never going to try to win, but it also at least gives you an edge to start with because a lot of those players when it's time for them to make that switch over, they don't do it, right? right? And then obviously some of the people that are on the other end, they also don't, that 38% you were talking about, they may say they want to win the league, but then they're not really going about winning the league in the optimal fashion based on a lot of the stuff that we talk about. So right. really, one or two out of 12 others besides yourself are probably the ones where you're like, all right, I got to watch out for this guy. Got to watch out for this yeah. gal in the league. And you can usually spot them pretty early especially if you strike up conversations with people and just subtle things that they'll say, go, okay, yeah, I, I understand this person knows what they're talking about. When they talk about like, they don't want to leverage future capital at the wrong time of year. Like, okay, that person probably has things they're thinking through that has nothing to do with the players they just picked or what their favorite team is, who their favorite rookie is. Like they, they're thinking a little bit deeper. So I think that's a good point. And it does make me kind of back off my statement before about dynasty potentially being solved. Yeah, and it, like I, I don't think that I I don't think a lot of people optimize for like profit, right? Like I, I just don't I, I think that people are kind of looking at it and and getting different, you know. I mean, because if if realistically, with the amount of time we spend, right, we don't get enough bang for our buck out of fantasy football, right? Like, I mean, no way. Know, J- Joe Smith, who is in, you know, someone just. Uh, re- replied to one of my tweets talking about how the idea of spending a hundred dollars is that is as ludicrous in fantasy football. Maybe that's true, but I would also say that it's ludicrous to pay $25 to play in a fantasy football league and then spend like 50 hours on that. Right. Like, I mean, that's a, that's an incredible, right. It's an incredible, uh, uh, you know, de-optimized, <laughs> inefficient bet, right. And inefficient use of your time. Right. It's incredible. Anyone, Anyone playing fantasy, even if you play one redraft league for a hundred bucks, if you right. spend more than an hour on it, you probably, you know what I mean? Like it's, we've yeah, already admitted yeah. as soon as getting into this game, I'm going to make five cents an hour this year. Correct. No, no joke. If I'm working 50 <laughs> hours a week, making content, managing teams, I could win every league and you go, I would have been a better off getting a job at Aldi and working for yes. $15 <laughs> an hour and I would have made more money. So Absolutely. We've all abandoned that. Yeah. Yeah. So, and again, this kind of goes back. We've talked about this in numerous spots in the show, right? The emotional feel that it gives you, right? Why do I do like, I enjoy talking to you and I would rather spend the last, you know, 45 minutes that we've been on this call talking about this with you than working at Aldi. Right. So I'm getting a, Un, you know, I am getting something beyond just the the profit return from this exercise. Again, I mean, the reason that AOD started, right? The re- I started writing books because I wanted to get into DFS and I needed a sort of, um, you know, prove concept to my wife of why I was spending 40 hours a week researching fantasy football. And then the pandemic came around and I started recording podcasts every day because I needed something to do because I didn't want to sit and not do anything. Right. And I, I, I had to have my mind escape. Right. So it didn't 
the the hours and time that I spent, like it, it ends up being worth it to me. But the the reward that I got, the actual payoff was, you know, the interaction with people because I was stuck in my basement. Right. Like, and so you know, you sort of that's where it comes, that's where it came from for me. And you know, and I still do it, obviously. I can leave my house now, but um, and I've made those friends, I made those relationships from that experience. So I do think, you know, when when you look at fantasy football from like a profit optimization, I don't think people are doing it because if you were doing that, you wouldn't, you wouldn't do this. Right. I think you'd be, if you were sort of doing that, I think you'd be playing high, you'd be doing uh, high level prop betting, for example, right. Which I think is a place where you can actually turn over a huge, you know, if you can get, you can get a lot more money down and there's a lot more efficiencies to just run over, um, you know, and so I think that that's kind of the, you know, I don't know if people are sort of wired in Dynasty for that sort of AI optimization, sort of just press the button because the rewards that you're getting are not, are, are a lot of them are non-financial. Yeah, that is a really good point. I do think a lot of us that play, especially in a lot of leagues, spend a lot of time. Uh, it, it's really either one or the other, right? Like there's probably mm-hmm. a reason that we are playing this much. And that is because, I mean, you could just think of, it would be better for us to spend our time creating a company that oversaw people making content, oversaw people playing, and essentially we just leverage their time and take 20% of it. But we don't have to put in the hours to get what we're getting in our leagues, you know, but that we don't do that. Instead, it's just like the Aldi example. There's many other ways, even in this space. Where there are people, I mean, Ray just put it out. I'm not outing Ray at all, but he just put it out on his last Untitled show where it was, listen, as I want to build my brand and get to a point where I'm like employing people and letting other content creators be the creative ones and share their thoughts. Like I have to take a step back from actually being on the front lines and doing all the content and playing in all the leagues so if you were in it for that reason, then yeah, that t- makes total sense to say, yeah, the best bang for my buck is not grinding that $100 Dynasty League and ever even spending more than 10 minutes on it. Otherwise, right. I'm losing money compared to this other way or this other thing that I could be doing. So Right, right. I mean, I'd be way better off. You know, we talked about my fake job. I'd be way better off spending the time, you know, financially, spending the time that I do doing this, doing that, right? I can, you know, by exponential amounts, right? I would spend, I'd be way better off financially. I wouldn't be as happy, right? I would never be as happy. And so, you know, that's a, I mean, you know, I give up probably a good point. You know, I'm fortunate, right? And I, I, I give up a, a, a salary that would make me more money for, to, for doing this, right? And I think that, that, that joy, that whatever that is, that makes you feel, uh, you're never going to get that out of AI. And so that's why I think that this will always be a game where, again, you can, you know, people want to play for different reasons, right? And I'm playing for a different reason than people are just straight optimizing, you know? So, so like, I do think that there's, there's, and, you know, there's, there's a ton of room there. Um, and, you know, for all the reasons, like, I don't think people are, are that attuned to data, right? To sort of accept it as true, right? Because part of the problem with experts is they think they know better than the base rate. And a lot of, and you know, the base rate's usually pretty darn good, right? Go back and look at real famous draft classes, like the Jonathan Taylor draft class. You know how that second round turned out? Exactly at the base rate. And you want to know who, who actually hit in that? 
the guy that was fifth that went a whole that went a whole round and a half later in AJ Dillon, right? And he hit ahead of guys like J.K. Dobbins and Cam Akers. So, um, you know, like so that's still there, right? And and I just I think you kind of look at that stuff, and it's just it's I don't think people are sort of optimized uh, in the way that would be necessary to sort of you know really profit maximize in this space. Yeah, man, you've really kind of changed the way that I look at this because am I Debbie Downer or am I giving you optimism? No, no, no. Am I sort of raining on your parade or am I am I giving you hope that we're not all going to become robots? I actually think you've made it a little more hopeful because I think at what's the what's at the root of all of this is exactly what you've said in the last ten minutes is the motivation as to why players keep coming to play fantasy, why dynasty is growing, and it isn't. Because, I mean, sure, there might be an edge where you can look at this and say, okay, I have an extra 2500 bucks that I'm going to throw into fantasy football this year. And if I consume enough content and I grind, I can maybe double my money, right? Maybe triple my money in a really good year. So if you identify that, sure, it can be a little bit of an investment on the side. But there's something else that goes into that to where it says, why did I go to that? Versus I bet you there's probably a much more efficient way to tell somebody, Hey, I got $2,500. Can you turn it into five grand in the next four months? Mm -hmm. And I bet you somebody would go, yeah, I have some ideas. And in fact, it might be better off splitting that five ways. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Many other, many, many other ways where you could go, if that's my sole objective, then this probably isn't the place to be. So now that you've kind of put that out there that, yeah, most of the people that we're appealing to, they aren't here just for the ROI, just for the winning. In fact, they're actually getting a lot of that back in the communities that we've built and listening to these shows, literally passing the day. Maybe they have a really, really shitty, boring day job mm-hmm. that pays the bills. And you know what makes that job tolerable? They can listen to four hours of podcasts a day about Dynasty. Yeah. Right? And then they yeah. go home and play Dynasty and they go, man, I should just get a second job. It'll pay more than Dynasty. But the dynasty game gets me through my entire career at my day job that is mundane. And you combine the two and you go, all right, now I see why somebody might have been doing what they're doing. Even though you look in the zoom way out, you go, yeah, that's really inefficient. So I'm going to change the last question just for you because I think I'm not going to go to where I was going to go. As a content creator, with everything you just said, how do you constantly kind of toggle between let's let's say i told you dynasty grows by 10x in the next two years in terms of players because i think like the sleeper platform and similar places are going to bring a ton of people into the game at different levels as a content creator how do you appeal to both if your goal is to continue to grow and continue to kind of appeal a little bit more to newer people how do you do that while also kind of staying in the weeds with you know, the ones that are basically have been consuming your content from the beginning and they're looking for very specific, like hardcore stuff. Yeah. I mean, I think you got to layer your content, right? Like I have a free uh, new GM guide, right? That's catered specifically to people that are new to the game, right? And they can buy it and they can read, you know, but that's, a, that's, I'm not breaking down, you know, the, the, you know, uh, open route run percentage of George Pickens in that book, right? Like it's a different style of content, right? It's a different, it's going to appeal to different people. Um, You know, and then, so that's kind of the free thing that's like, Hey, you know, come play dynasty, right? I I think we, as, as people that are 
talking about this game that are that have businesses about this game i think we have a certain responsibility seems like a stupid word to say but we would be negligent if we didn't try and grow the game right I, I you know i think the more people we have playing the better it is for all of us right um so i think you have to sort of you have to do that um and then you know i think for me like you know i write a book that's you know but cost 39.99 and so that's going to appeal to one set of people and then another you know then i release 380 podcasts a year to a much more you know to a 200 subscriber who wants to be in the group me and we're talking about dynasty all day now the person that's brand new to dynasty that says i would never spend a hundred dollars why would you spend 200 to listen to someone talk right again we sort of go back like in terms of the actual time you spend, <laughs> you know, the, the per minute value of that money, it's actually a pretty good return, right? With all the time and stuff we spend talking about it. So, um, you know, I, you got to appeal to different audiences. This is kind of the way that I would think about it. And, you know, I think, you know, kind of growing, you know, having a certain segment of a lower subscription say, okay, now I want to take a bigger step to a, um, the higher subscription, right? Sort of funneling it in that way is, is something that I found pretty successful, right? Um, you know, almost to the extent that my AOD books, manual books, almost become marketing for my more, um, you know, to, to subscribers that want more, right? That's, that becomes almost a mark. It's a, yeah, it's a product, but it's also a marketing tool for, for, you know, the, the subscription. And then I think people like that and stay with it and it becomes a routine to them. So, um, you know, so that's, that's kind of how I view it. I think you gotta, you have to appeal to different audiences, right? The person that's, you know, reading you on Twitter, isn't going to experience, isn't going to, um, be interested the same way as, um, you know, it's someone listening to me every day at eight o'clock in the morning. Right. Um, and you know, the, the Twitter thread, right. That someone does that the 17 reasons why 98% of people, you know, are, are, are going to fail in their leagues or whatever, right? the, those Twitter threads, right. They're appealing to a whole different type of audience. Right. So I do think yeah, I got to have a blend and sort of, and then try and convert, you know, try and convert people up. Right. And I think that'll happen with growing the game. You know, one of the things that gave me the most hope in terms of all of this is you turned on that game that they played in Germany and after the game it's about a half hour after the game and no one had left and they were singing sweet caroline and it wasn't even that good of a football game by the way and you just i, I said like this game is just going to keep growing right because those are people that will play fantasy and then there are people that are going to play dynasty right because a certain segment of fantasy is just going to be you know the loving group that i call degenerates that want to play this all the time right and so i think that you know as we see this right the nfl is going to expend a hundred percent like every six or seven years is kind of when they're projecting we're going to dynasty and fantasy should grow. Fantasy should grow a lot more than that. Dynasty should grow exponentials more than fantasy because, you know, it's behind, right? There's more room to grow. So I'm, I'm hopeful on all that. You know, you say 10 times in, in three years, I'm not sure it's that much, but I'm hopeful of this, you know, that'd be great. You know, but I do think, you know, you know, uh, you know, 30, 40, 50% a year growth is that's, I think very possible with how many more people are playing. Yeah, and I'll end it with this. The 10 times, I think it's just because at least what I envision in my head is I don't even know if the game we know of today with a physical league on a site where you manually manage a team, we may look up in a couple years and Dynasty looks something even different than that to where it's even easier, you know, the, the, the barrier to actually doing it. Now, it may not be what you and I prefer. What we do may be like the the hardcore degenerate stuff, but... It's no different than making bets five years ago versus now. Anybody can make a bet within 10 seconds. 
you know, like to where you don't even need to log in. You literally pull up the app and it's boom set, you know, it's that quick. So maybe in some form or fashion, it looks like very basic, but it's still called dynasty because it goes year to year. There's an element of trading and future market assets and playing opponents uh, in a confined economy or confined system. So we will see. Uh, Speaking of your stuff. So I've always been a fan of you. Listen to your content right when you started. We kind of started doing content like around the same time. But I remember even before we interacted, I always listened to your stuff just because I could tell you're you're thinking of different ways always to kind of get an edge against everyone else out there. So that's how I'm wired. For everyone that doesn't know, share all your stuff. Give your plugs. Anything you want to promote coming up, floor is yours. Yeah, so uh, you can find me on Twitter at McNamara Dynasty. Um, I do the weekly show with Chad Parsons, um, Dynasty Think Tank, which has been a lot of fun. So you can find all our stuff there, um, yeah, and the week wherever you get your podcast feed, and you know we get some Patreon content that goes along with that. So go ahead and find all that. And then Analytics of Dynasty is where you'll find, you know, all you know. I mentioned the the new GM guide, you know, which anyone can read. It's not just for new people. Um, And then you can go find the dynasty team building guide, which is, you know, kind of takes you through all of it in terms of like, Hey, here's some, here's a lot of the lessons that I've learned. This is like my fifth year of writing this book. Um, And this one's the most sort of um, process centric one, right? Kind of from, you know, all aspects were just team building instead of like the different topics that I usually cover. Um, And then you can go and subscribe uh, to, uh, to the website, uh, the analyticsdynasty.com uh, it's 124.99 a year uh, for all the pod uh, podcast content uh, we have trade finder and, and all that fun stuff as well and then it's 200 total if you want to uh, get in the group me and uh, and get all that podcast content as well so um, you know and it's a good community and you know I, I love my subscribers and it's always a good conversation we're talking football we're talking about all sorts of other stuff too so um, and I think we do a really good job you know one of the uh, one of the most rewarding things really is to see subscribers teaching other subscribers and me not having to talk right i think seeing that conversation where i can just kind of lay out and just sort of watch it unfold uh especially from people that have kind of been with me from the beginning and were new and you know and now are like experts and i wouldn't want to play them like to see that is is really rewarding and and a couple people uh of my subscribers uh wrote um, you know, uh, chapters in my book this year, which I'm super proud of. So you can find all that at analyticsdynasty.com and um, you can talk to me on Twitter at McNamara Dynasty, where I'll be fending off Pittsburgh Steelers and Chicago Bears fans probably throughout the season. And I'll be honest with you, Scott, if Justin Fields throws for negative eight yards, but manages uh, air yards, but manages a 66% touchdown rate for the entire season, it's going to be a long year. It's going to be a long, long year. Yeah, it was a definitely an ironic start to his season because his stat line just looked ridiculous, and then you actually see how he got there. You're like, he couldn't have done less to to get put up those numbers that he did in his first game. So good stuff, Jordan. I echo all your sentiments about when you build a community and you can sit back and go because there's been times where I have so much that I'm doing in other places from a content perspective, I won't even check in on the group more than couple minutes a day but i see there and i go i don't even need to right someone put a question in a person that just joined last week put a question in and the same couple people came in and literally said exactly what i would say yeah i can just like i'll I'll just like the post and it'll be like i answered it because i i literally have nothing else to say because it it they ask the same questions they're probing with the same things that i would 
and they end up with the conclusion and it's like, yep, that's probably exactly what I would do. So I, I love that feeling. Uh, speaking of that, if you want to join the Discord, it's patreon.com slash all gas. Join the Destination Debbie Discord. Uh, Heisman is the highest tier in there. That's where you'll find Ray and I every day. That's where him and I are in there. We had like a three-hour discussion uh, last week, literally just during the day, talking Dynasty. And there's probably 25 people in there just listening. So if you're interested in that, like if you really are one of the degenerates that Jordan's talking about, uh, consider checking that out, patreon.com slash allgas. And then for me, I won't plug anything other than Dynasty Trades in 5. We live stream every Tuesday night. Uh, and then Destination Chill that Ray and I just started a couple weeks ago. We're going to be uh, moving to Wednesday nights when the season starts. But until then, all of our streams will be Sunday nights until the season. So got those two things on YouTube along with the Discord. And with that, I will go ahead and sign off. Be chill, everyone. There's a rumor going down about me and you. Stirring